yes, I'm clean. Yes, I'm righteous. And yes, I'm a co-heir with Christ. But there's always a stronger party in every covenant. You're tuning in to Coach and Joe, conversations on friendship with God. We're jumping back in part two of the last podcast. This is Coach and Joe. I'm Coach, and Joe's over here. I want to read a definition of delusional. Mm-hmm. And if you if you haven't listened to the podcast right before this, you're going to need to, or this isn't going to make much sense. But here we go. Delusional means characterized by or holding idiosyncratic beliefs or impressions that are contradicted by a reality or rational argument, typically as a symptom of mental disorder. Uh, based on or having faulty judgment or mistaken. I I believe that a lot of theology that is being preached is absolutely delusional because it is a confession of perhaps who Christ is and was while he was here. Mm -hmm. But there's a massive gap to where I'm I'm at in my own sanctification. Mm -hmm. And those may be true about me in the spirit, but in my mind, in my body, there's a huge gap. Yeah. Between my experience here, on the of, of who I should be, and if we spend so much time confessing who I am in Christ, in 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 the Spirit, but I'm not choosing confession or even boasting in weakness to get me transformed into those places. I actually am bypassing this the formula that God used through Paul, right. which was to crush him, make him low, and for him to boast in his weakness and. It's almost as though I want to bypass the path that Paul went on. Paul went on a path like this. Gets blinded by the Lord. Come on. Uh, another, he had to be undercover. Another disciple laid hands on him. Someone with, at the time with a higher authority. Paul, had, The first act in Paul's career was to submit. I just want to sit there for a second. Submit to be able to see. Submit. He had to submit for scales to come off hey, to I see. I wasn't planning on going there. He had to submit. Saul of Tarsus had to submit in order to see, which implicitly implies that without submission, there's a level of blindness that you will walk in, that you have to be in right relationship, not just with God, but with his people in order to truly see. Because God has hidden himself in people for you, which means if you don't honor people, if you don't honor them, it says if you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. No one talks about the next part of that verse. It says if you honor a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you receive a righteous man's reward, which inherently says any person in God in the righteousness of Christ Jesus is a righteous person that's worthy of honor because there's a reward hidden in every person. But if you have so little scales in your own mind, you'll never seek to honor anyone or submit to anyone because you think you already can see. And it's blind people leading blind people, which is, in my opinion, what most, most people are right now in, in the world because we've moved away from discipleship. We've, we've, we've turned to converting and making converts and moved from life-on-life life discipleship, which is the wineskin to hold the new wine of the new creation. Discipleship, by the way, has to be more than relaying content or information and learning it. There has to be the submission piece. So then Paul gets hands laid on, and then he goes into Arabian desert, has to submit for three or four years, comes out of the desert, and what is his progression? Crushed, oh gosh, heals a whole island. Crushed, shipwreck, more power. Crushed, shipwreck. What does Paul say as he gets older in Christ? Mm. Oh, wretched man that I am. He spent as much time boasting in his own weakness. Grace flows to the lowest place. So 
uh, am I as he is, so am I in, the, in this world. Is that true? Yes. But my transformation is actually going to come through vulnerability inside the context of community where people are calling out my blind spots, yep. and I'm getting lower and lower and lower each day. What happens is you'll see people who segment themselves from a community of conflict and confess a bunch of biblical truths about the Pauline revelation while bypassing Paul's path. If I am not submitted to people speaking in blind spots, if I am not vulnerable, if I have the answer to every question, if I'm actually using scriptures to manipulate things and scriptures scriptures to control things, I am doing nothing more than than agreeing with a literal de- a spirit of denial. Mm-hmm. Because the truth is, uh, take, for example, the AA meeting I went to a year and a half ago with my wife or a year ago. I met someone who's been sober 38 years, walking with the Lord. And and the message of the new creation, if they could have heard what this man said at the meeting, they would have told him it was an illegal statement of what he made. He confessed himself that that uh, of of uh, of his struggle, and he confessed how much of a struggle it is. The truth is, he's walking in power, been walking in power 38 years. Uh, family reconciliation, grace flows to the lowest places. Any theology that never takes the time to force the person to confess what they're not is not from God. It is a slippery, slimy little thing. When's the last time you you just confessed, instead of who you were, who you weren't? This morning in the car on the way to Goodway. Resurrection power only hits dead things. A lot of the preaching, it's not, hey, I'm dead. It's a Messiah complex. It's as though the person has arrived. And it's so funny because people don't know you, right? They don't know you. So this could be the first time you ever listen to this podcast, and he's passionate. Chad's very passionate right now. But you're the biggest teddy bear lover of people that I know. But this passion is real in you because it's blinding people. Yes. It's, it's shipwrecking people's ability to actually walk with God. You can't know God apart from knowing yourself. And if you don't know yourself first as the one who put Christ on the cross, that's it. You can't know God. End of story. And if you don't stay at the foot of that cross all of the days of your life, not in condemnation, not in shame, and not in guilt, but in remembrance. Right? Like the testimony is not just for the breakthroughs. The testimony is remembering the time before the breakthrough. It's remembering where you weren't. It's remembering what God took you out of. See, the Passover is not just to to remember when God spared them. It's to remember the nature of relationship they had with God. All of the Jewish holidays, it's a remembrance of the faithfulness to God remove them from where they were. But to just think of the act, the sea splitting, apart from Pharaoh chasing them, apart from the deliverance, you're, you miss it. You miss it. And, and we miss it when we think that Jesus did what he did for us to lock, walk in no condemnation, shame, or remembrance of the fact that we put him on the cross. Condemnation's gone at Romans 8.1. Shame is gone. There's no shame. But there is absolutely remembrance when we, when we are rooted in the true gospel of Jesus Christ. First Timothy 1.15. This is from Paul. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. That is NIV, NLT. I am the worst, English Standard Version, whom I am the foremost, Berean Study Bible, whom I am the worst, am, present tense. There's been so much focus on Ephesians 1.1 to the saints who are in Ephesus. Yes, I am as clean as Christ. 
Yes, I'm as clean as Christ. But there's become so much arrogance in this new creation message, creation message that so many people forgot you put him on the cross. Yeah. There, this is how slippery the enemy is. He realizes he can't destroy the church, so he just joins it. it. And in this new creation message over the last 20, 30 years, I'm sorry, but this message that we're all royal and everyone's royalty, royalty I've never in my life heard of any kingdom in the world where everyone is a king. I've never heard of that. I, I, I don't even know what that is. Y- yes, I'm clean. Yes, I'm righteous. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. That's a fact. And yes, I'm a co-heir with Christ, but there's always a stronger party in every covenant. That's right. And he's not my homeboy, and he's not asking me for advice ever. Uh, Isaiah 6, uh, the most dramatic encounter I've ever had with God when... He came into my room. I thought I was going to die for over 40 minutes. Campbellsville, Kentucky. Every time a human has an encounter with an angel in the scriptures, they're not saying, hey, glad you showed up. Where have you been? They're like, they're scared to death. Like, we have gotten such elevated views of ourselves that we've forgotten who he is. I am 46 years old. He's using me. He's using me in my life. I've never been this broken or in this much need of who he is. I'm sorry, but what's the John Mayer song uh, about Superman? I'm not Superman. I'm not. I'm not a superhero. I am a cracked clay pot who's prone to anxiety, who's who's, who's prone to need the approval of man more than need of God. I've got to the place now more than ever where it's it's almost as though every day it's, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. There is nothing that will bring opposition to your loving Heavenly Father towards you more than arrogance. He opposes the proud in the new covenant. He will oppose a new creation reality kid of his who does not stay face down, who does not stay laid down. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ himself, you know, it's very popular to say that there's no submission in the Trinity. It's not true. It's not true. Jesus is, was, and forever will be submitted to the Father. Father who's greater than I. I only do what the Father tells me to do. If you look at Jesus, there's a desperate, there's a desperate need in Jesus. He he needed the Father while he was here. I'm getting ready to preach on Gethsemane this coming week at church. He needed the Father. He said, please take this cup away from me. Even with Jesus. Listen, man. Angels did not tend to the Lord on the cross in the scriptures. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was so weak that the Father had to send an angel to attend to him. If angels attended to Jesus, that shows me that there was some there was weakness that had to be tended to. Yes. In the desert, yep. after he got done fasting, yep. angels came and attended to him. Some of this new creation uh, preaching, teaching, no, you don't need angels to attend to you. You got everything you need in Christ. You're good to go, bro. It's denial. If Jesus Christ needed angels to attend to him, it may be okay for you to admit your brokenness before the Father and say, Father, I just need you to attend to me. Father, I'm weak. Resurrection power does not resurrect things that are alive. Resurrection power raises the dead. Mm-hmm. That's why Luke nine twenty three. If I'll just admit, yeah. God, I just need you every day. You want to know why I, I think uh, God's moving in what I'm leading, and and there's fruit on it. It's because God's doing it. I don't know how to lead. I, I don't. I'm. I don't even think I'm that great of a preacher. Yeah. Even Paul. 
boasted in his inability to preach. <laughs> you remember this? He's like, I don't come to you with, with wise words. Yeah, that's I don't, right. I don't come to you with like, I'm a conference speaker. He was like, I don't even know why y'all are listening to me, but I got something to say and hopefully God will use me. Even when he communicated, by the way, he's so boring, Eutychus fell out of a third story window and died. Paul wasn't a great speaker. He was so, if he was a great speaker, the dude wouldn't fall asleep. <laughs> then, by the way, Paul went down and did his own weakness, raised from the dead. When you're weak, power can hit it. I told you before, one of the greatest gifts in your life yeah, yeah. from the Father is your anxiety. Yep, you did say that. The greatest gift in my life in the past year of my life has been slander and gossip against me and my wife and my family. It's been a gift. David's greatest gift was Saul. You want to know why? It's because God, he, he knows as the potter, yeah. if he can initiate weakness in our life, not allow it. Can we stop saying that? Not allow it. If he can initiate weakness in our lives, it draws Jesus to get low. It draws Paul to get low. Why? So the Father can pick you up. Therefore, he can lift you up. Why are we so afraid to admit weakness? I think people who never admit, admit weakness are actually weaker than the ones that do confess it. Vulnerability is an open gateway for me to be transformed. And there's a difference between glorifying and reveling in your weakness and admitting it. Yes. And boasting in it. Do you know the strongest type of weakness to boast in? It's in the secret place with the Father with no one else around. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm telling you. Because what you're not saying is make an idol of your weakness. Nope. I, I, how, about, how about this? I'm, tell, I'm, I'm just getting real here with you. Jesus is in Gethsemane, steps away as Peter, James, and John. But he's in Gethsemane by himself. Mm -hmm. And he said, I don't want to do this. And he, he sweats blood. Here's what I'm saying. If you are confessing your weakness in front of a lot of people, it's a weird form of like getting a hit off of being vulnerable. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, I'm talking, you ain't getting a hit off being vulnerable when you're in your prayer chamber yep. by yourself on your knees at, right. at two o'clock in the morning with the Father, saying, Father, just to, just to let you know, I know I put you on the cross. And, and if there's anything in me, if there's anything in my leadership, if there's anything in my family, just to expose that or just, I, I, I need you. If you're doing it in private, I'm I there there's no manipulation in it. If you're doing it in public a lot, something's not right. Because if vulnerability is the big win, then we need to celebrate a bunch of people that aren't transformed, like, you know, inmates. Yeah, I did it, I killed him, I did this. The goal is transformation. I'm simply saying you have become transformed and since I've known you, not through confessing a bunch of places where you should be. No. You've actually confessed your weakness and it's hit you. Yep. Even two days ago, mm -hmm. without going into details, you said to me, uh, you said something like, I had a conversation with you. It's the first one we've had like this. And yeah. you said, you just Mr. miyagi me. It's about an hour later. You Mr. miyagi me. I feel like I'm not even here right now. You said, I feel like I'm not even in my body. Yeah. All we did was talk about your weakness. Yeah, that I didn't see, that I needed you to point out. And I actually pointed it out a week before it happened because whatever reason, God opened my eyes to it. Yep. And you had an opportunity. You could either run from it. Mm-hmm. Without going into the details of it, what has this been like for you, for God to expose in you that there is a weakness and you're having to come clean on how you view certain things? It reminds me that not only was I saved when I gave my life to him, but I'm being saved now. Holy, I got to look this up. Because God is not only the God who saved me, he's the God who saves me. Let me say that one more time. 
He's not just the God who saved me. He's the God who saves me. Because the reality is, is the closer I get to him, the more I walk in friendship with him, the more that I pursue what this whole Coaching Joe podcast is about, which is helping people walk in friendship with God, is I realize how far off I really am. See, because Jesus hides revelation from us intentionally because he knows we can't bear it. He says this in the book, in the Gospel of John. He says, there's so much more that I wish I could tell you guys, but if I can't because you can't bear it. And I'm paraphrasing that. He says, I wish there was more. There's more for me to tell you. There's more for me to say at this time, but I can't at this time because you can't bear it. It's God's compassion that he doesn't open our eyes to the fullness of our brokenness in one moment. It would be insurmountable. If he showed you every heart motive, every wrong thought, every ill-gotten gain that you've ever had, and all the things you really are pining for in your depths, it would destroy you. And so it's his compassion to veil it, but to pretend like you've arrived is only a display of your ignorance. Because we never arrive. As long as, as, long as we're here in this side of eternity where there is brokenness and where sin is the blanket draped over this place. It's not a hopeless place, but it is a sober place that at any moment you can be walking in deception that you don't know of. And it's the truth. That's what happened to me. Um, Philippians 2.12, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There you go, Chad. I think a great place to start is every conversation you have with the Father, not with people, with the Father. Just to remind yourself in his presence and say it out loud to him. Father, just so you know, I'm not sure I know anything. I'm curious your answer to this question I'm going to ask you. Why does he value humility so much? What is that? I think I think everything in God hinges on one word, which is covenant. I think even kingdom, it, it all starts in, in covenant. And when you are humble, you realize that there's a stronger party. And it allows him to build on your life on a foundation that's sturdy, not on one that's sand. And, and if we ever believe, it's the, we talked about it on here, but it was when I asked all the students why Michael, Michael Phelps was great, and they all said all the things that he did. And not one of them said, because God's holding him together. Right? Like, if you build on any other foundation that God had mercy on you, a sinner, and he loved you enough to die for you, to bring you back into relationship with him, and from that place to live life, like if you build on anything other than that, it's a faulty foundation. And so I think to answer your question, he loves humility because it's the ultimate confession of, I am nothing. The psalmist says, man at his best is a mere breath, an uproar for naught. One minute he's there, one minute he's gone. He's like the wind. He's dust. If we ever think we're anything but dust, even when God's telling us we are, but we, we, we forget the remembrance of our dust nature, it's building on a faulty foundation. A lot of the new creation stuff just forgets that. If everything's paradox. Yeah, I'm a co-heir. Yeah, he loves me. I'm going to heaven, spend forever with him. I don't care if he chooses me to be one of the top 100 rulers up there, whatever. I don't know what we do, but in the end, compared to him, like, what does it matter? <laughs> it's a lot of people hear this through the lens of condemnation. I've written two books on identity in Christ. I got a feeling my next two are going to be on the other side of the coin. Yeah. 
Paul is a super apostle, probably the second most influential man to ever live, or woman, really, I think. Okay. In the end, he goes back to the... The only reason uh, I even will be escorted into heaven... I, I Imagine, what if your own resurrection was up to you? Like, <laughs> this is actually just giving honor yeah. to the Father, the honor he's due. And you know how you know when it's pure? You're not doing it for him to do anything for you. <laughs> Last night, uh, before I went to bed, um... I just turn around and I look at the house that the Father has provided for my family to live in. <laughs> and I said, you, I didn't deserve any of this. You know why I said it? Because I remember the 1,400 square foot rental house, rental that I could barely afford that the five of us were living in. And if gratitude is not a part of my life on a consistent basis... It doesn't make me an evil person. It just shows that I don't know him. Man, I look at my wife recently. My wife is the most physically attractive 44-year-old woman I have ever seen. Her grandmother is 96 or 7. She's beautiful. My kids are awesome. They're good-looking. They're well-behaved. I still have both my parents living. we got great friends. Even this Coach and Joe team, the staff that I lead, like humility has to look like something. I think humility is from time to time. You're not doing it. You're not saying it hoping he's going to give you more. I don't even care. It's just like if I die today, if I don't know, man. I, I Honestly, Joe, I just think a lot of God's kids, if they got to heaven and realized he wasn't there, they wouldn't give a crap. I'm serious. I, I think I think for a lot of God's kids, man, specifically pastors, it's like, what, what are we doing? I think if a lot of God's kids got to heaven and realized he wasn't there, as long as they made it to heaven, they're fine. If I got to heaven and realized he wasn't there, then I want to know where he is because that's where I want to go. In the name of Jesus, may you care more about intimacy with God than anything else in your life. You just take a break from pathetic prayers of what he can give you. Stop treating him like a rabbit's foot. Just maybe lay down and die for the first time in your life. Give give your life to him. Not for blessings, just for connection. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Coach and Joe. Catch more episodes on YouTube and podcasts. To take a deeper look at friendship with God, check out coachandjoe.com. 